but I hope you've been having a great weekend. Um, I hope that you have received a warm welcome here this evening at HTC if you've never been here before. Um, and I hope as well that, uh, as Vicky was praying about, that you're enjoying all the excitement of election fever at the moment with the French election final round today, ours in a month's time. I wonder if some of you saw a clip uh, this week, earlier this week, of Jeremy Corbyn. Now, I've got to stress um, that I think Corbyn gets more stick than he should. He seems a nice guy to me. Uh, but earlier this week, uh, Jeremy Corbyn was supposed to be doing a short speech as a photo opportunity with lots of supporters in the background sort of waving placards saying we, we love Jeremy Corbyn type thing. Uh, that's what was supposed to happen, but unfortunately Jeremy Corbyn got it a little bit wrong. And have a look at what happened. So Jeremy Corbyn there looking in the wrong direction, okay? But the reality is it's not just Jeremy Corbyn who looks in the wrong direction. Actually, all of us at times, uh, we look in the wrong direction. So whether we're looking uh, perhaps for a penguin uh, or whether we're looking for a lion, or my favorite, whether we're looking for a whale. Uh, we, we all look, all of us do actually, in the wrong direction at times. And in fact, in the Bible, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. Uh, and Ecclesiastes actually asks exactly that question for us today. And the question is this, what is the right direction for you and I to look in? What is the right direction for us to look in, not to find a penguin or a whale, but what is the right direction for you or I to look in to find ultimate meaning, ultimate purpose, ultimate fulfillment in life? What is the right direction for us to look in? Now, the author of Ecclesiastes, he refers to himself as the teacher. And uh, many of you may know that uh, basically, most likely, the teacher is King Solomon. King Solomon of Israel, he was around about um, 1,000 years BC. Uh, and basically, in Ecclesiastes, what Solomon is doing, he's conducting an experiment. And his experiment is this. He talks again and again. You'll see when we have a look at the Bible passage. He talks about life under the sun. This little phrase, life under the sun. And what he means by that phrase is life if you take God out of the equation. So if you just look under the sun, forget about God. If you take life under the sun, his question and his whole experiment that he's conducting is, can you find ultimate meaning to life under the sun? Can you find that ultimate meaning to life without God, without any reference to God? And if you can, what direction should I look in to find ultimate meaning to life if I'm not going to look in the direction of God? That's Solomon's little experiment. And what we've got here is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, part of that experiment. So let me read it uh, for you. This is what Solomon says. He says, I said to myself, come now, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. 
I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So the question is, where is there meaning to life under the sun? Where is there meaning to life when you cut God out of the equation? And so this teacher, Solomon, he first of all, he decides, right, I'm going to look in the direction of pleasure. If I look in the direction of pleasure, is that where I can find ultimate meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment in life? So look at first verse. He says, I said to myself, come now, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? Now, we all know that having a laugh is good fun. I mean, party poopers are probably some of the most dreary people to be around. Uh, we, We know that. Yet, laughter and pleasure don't actually hold the key to life, do they? Take Ronnie Barker. Ronnie Barker was one of the two Ronnies. Growing up, um, for me, uh, I'm 40 years old, growing up in the 80s, um, watching their TV show in the 80s, the two Ronnies, was one of the highlights of my week. I loved them. In fact, uh, so many people in the UK loved them. At their peak, there were 21 million people. That was their average uh, viewing figures uh, for the TV show at their peak. And this is what Ronnie Barker, one of the two Ronnies, this is what he wrote about laughter and life. He said this. He said, I don't think life has any meaning. It has beauty, ugliness, pain, love, hate, great rewards, sometimes enormous responsibilities. It has laughter, but it has no meaning. Life is meaningless. Well, so much for pleasure and laughter, Solomon decides instead to turn to the direction of alcohol, of drink. So if you look at sentence three there, sentence three, he says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. And I think the most interesting thing about Solomon is that he is still, if you like, he's still thinking about the big questions of life as he goes on his all-night sort of booze bender. If you look at verse three, it continues. He says, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. So this isn't, it's not sort of thoughtlessly getting hammered down Clapham High Street on a Friday or Saturday night. That's not what it is. This is thoughtfully getting hammered, okay? It is thoughtfully getting hammered. It is reflecting on the experience of alcohol as he drinks the alcohol and realizing that drink is not the meaning of life. So Solomon, he's, he's, he's gone down the direction of pleasure. No. Gone down the direction of alcohol. No. Thirdly, he turns and he says, let's try the direction of work. If I go down the direction of work, will I find satisfaction and fulfillment? And he goes into, the next few verses you'll see, goes into construction, the wine industry, landscape gardening, waterworks. He has a huge workforce, a vast farming business, the biggest in the land. Yet, can work provide the meaning of life? David Cameron, uh, in an interview a few years ago, when he was thinking more about work than chillaxing in his new designer garden shed, uh, David Cameron said said this. uh, And this was was in the context of um, the tragic death of his oldest son, Ivan at the age of six and David Cameron was asked in an interview and he talked about all his political achievements and obviously there have been loads all his political achievements all his work he said that it amounted to and I'm quoting Cameron here it amounted to nothing how about money 
How about if we go in the direction of money? Well, take Elvis Presley. Uh, Elvis Presley had a really interesting interview just six weeks before he died. And he was interviewed by a woman. And this woman had also interviewed him right at the start of his career as his, his career was just taking off. And this woman said to Elvis Presley, she said this. She said, Elvis, when I interviewed you before, you said you wanted three things. You wanted to be rich, you wanted to be famous, and you wanted to be happy. You sure are rich, you're certainly famous, but are you happy, Elvis? And he replied and he said this. No, I'm not happy. I'm miserable as hell. Well, King Solomon... King Solomon was richer than Elvis. He had so much money, more than whole countries. Uh, The Sunday Times today has the Times rich list. Uh, King Solomon would have been number one on the Times rich list. If you look at verse 8, he says, I amass silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. But it doesn't satisfy. So how about sex? Let's turn in the direction of sex, says Solomon. If you look at verse 8, as it continues, Solomon says he has a whole harem at his beck and call. Does sex provide satisfaction and fulfillment? Well, who should we ask for that in, to tell us about that in this day and age? Uh, who better than Russell Brand? Uh, Russell Brand uh, compares being famous to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, saying it is a Wonka ticket to a sex factory. And uh, this is what Russell Brand has written, I quote. He says, at one point, I had a harem of about 10 women whom I would rotate, in addition to one-night stands and random sexual encounters. But shagging, incessant as it was, no longer seemed to have the required calming effect. As my sexual appetite grew, I found myself engaged in an increasingly desperate quest to satisfy. So that's sex. How about fame? How about fame? Is fame the direction that we should look in? Solomon, he was the most famous of all. In verse 9, he says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Yet Solomon's conclusion, it is in line with the, the famous quote by the author Jack Higgins. Jack Higgins was asked, what do you know at 60 that you wish you'd known at 16? And he replied, I wish I'd known that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. As an article yesterday in the Guardian newspaper said, it said you can measure your sleep, sex, and steps with a Fitbit. You can measure your attractiveness with Tinder. You can measure your wittiness with Twitter. You can measure your popularity with Facebook. But the reality is, all of that brings insecurity and it brings dissatisfaction rather than bringing security and satisfaction. And so here is the crunch for all of us. Once we've thought about all these different directions, once we've thought about pleasure and drink and work and sex and money and fame, if the key to life is found in any of those directions, if the key to life is found in pursuing those things, in pursuing those possessions, in pursuing those experiences, all of us, we would swap places with Solomon in an instant, wouldn't we? I mean, Solomon, he has been there, he's done that, he's got the t-shirt, and he's even bought the t-shirt company. He has done it all. And yet, what was Solomon left with? Just look at his conclusion, the last verse there, verse 11. This is how Solomon concludes his experiment. He says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. 
a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. It says nothing was gained when you cut God out of the picture. It is the, the ultimate morning after the night before experience. I've done it all, but what is the point? And so often for each of us, I don't know if you do this, but I've certainly found it, that if we haven't managed to find ultimate meaning and purpose in life, well, we declare that is because our resources are limited. We say, once I have such and such, then I'll be happy, then I'll be fulfilled. Once I've got this, once I've done that, once, 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 then I will be fulfilled. We think, well, I'm looking in the right direction. I just haven't traveled far enough along that direction. But Solomon, he's tried it all. Solomon has gone down further down that line that any of us will ever be able to go. Whichever line you take, he's gone further down the money line. He's gone further down the sex line. He's gone further down the fame line, further down the work line. He's gone down those lines further than any of us will ever be able to go. And it doesn't satisfy And other rich and famous people have come to similar conclusions. The actor Michael Caine, his autobiography titled, What's It All About? Bob Geldof's autobiography, Is That It? Kenneth Williams from the Carry On films, he finished his autobiography on the very day that he died. And the last line of his autobiography, written on the day he died, the last line says, so what's the bloody point? You see, Solomon and and all these other people, they're they're not saying that all these things of work and drink and fame and laughter are without pleasure. Of course not. Pleasure is pleasurable. Sex, a foreign holiday, a loving family, good friends, they're all pleasurable. They're good things. But none of them are satisfying in the sense of giving us ultimate meaning to life. And actually, the, the Christian claim. The Christian claim is that God will not let us find the ultimate meaning of life in anything else. God will not let us find that ultimate meaning by looking in any of these other directions. Because very simply, the meaning of life is not found in any of these directions. The Christian claim is that the meaning of life, it is only found in God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so God knows that if I begin to be satisfied without him, then I won't bother with him. And then I will miss out on the real meaning of life, both now and into eternity, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And really the Alpha course that Tim mentioned earlier, that Joe and Tanya talked about, the Alpha course really, it's it's a chance to assess whether that claim is true chance to check out, to ask questions, to discuss, is the meaning of life found in a relationship with Jesus Christ or not? C.S. Lewis, a Christian, a writer of all the Narnia books, uh, he once wrote this. He said, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the seaside. We are far too easily pleased. And you know what C.S. Lewis is saying there? He is saying that if we look anywhere else 
for ultimate meaning, if we look anywhere else for ultimate fulfillment, for ultimate joy, if we look anywhere else than in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, well, then we are looking in the wrong direction. We're focusing on the mud pie rather than the holiday at the seaside. Hugh Hefner is now uh, 91 years old. He's a self-made multimillionaire from founding Playboy magazine. He lives uh, in the Playboy mansion with all the bunny girls. Uh, He has had countless, countless sexual conquests. And this is what he said in one of his most recent interviews. He said this. He said, I have been looking for love in all the wrong places. Been looking for love in all the wrong places. He says, I've been looking in the wrong direction. You know, there was another self-made playboy long ago in the fourth century who conducted all sorts of sexual exploits and uh, affairs, but then he became a Christian. And his name was Augustine. And we now know him as Saint Augustine. And as St. Augustine, as he looked back on his early life, he uttered this prayer. He prayed, O God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And as he quoted that prayer, he was referring to a bit in the Old Testament. A bit in the Old Testament where God's speaking and God says this. God says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. You see, our hearts, they are restless until they find their rest in Jesus. Rest for our souls. And every single one of us here this evening, we are, as it were, we are standing at a crossroads. And the question, very simply, is which direction, which road are we looking down? Are we looking down the road of money or sex or pleasure or fame or work or happiness or whatever else it may be? They're all good things. But they are the wrong direction to be facing. None of them will ultimately satisfy if we are looking towards them for meaning. Jesus Christ, the one who claims to be God in human form. When he was on this earth 2,000 years ago, he picked up those words in Jeremiah and he said, Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Jesus Christ claims to be the right direction to be looking in. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. And today, tonight, there may be many of us here, and you have tried so many ways to bring rest to your heart and to your soul. You've tried so many ways to find meaning in your life. And you've found you've never managed to obtain it. And the reality is, none of us will ever succeed in obtaining that satisfaction, that fulfillment, that purpose, that finding rest for our souls. We will never find it apart from Jesus Christ.
And this is why. Because while we all, we all naturally look in the wrong direction, Jesus Christ has looked in your direction and my direction. Jesus has looked in our direction and he has come from the rest of heaven to the restlessness of this earth and supremely to the restlessness of the cross. Jesus Christ has taken our burden of sin on himself so that we who are weary and burdened might be able to come to him who is gentle, who is humble in heart, and we can find rest for our souls. And so just as Jesus spoke to people 2,000 years ago, so he speaks to you and to me tonight. And Jesus says to you, he says, come to me. He says, come to me. He says, look in my direction. And you will find rest for your soul.